Welcome to Ashland New Plays Festival Play for Keeps conversation series, where theater artists share stories, news, and insights into their work. Now let's meet today's guests. Hi, uh, my name is Grace McLeod, and I am a playwright uh, from New York City. Hello, I'm Bill Cameron. I'm I'm also a playwright, and I live in Washington, Pennsylvania, about 30 miles south of Pittsburgh. Nice to be here with everyone. So, Grace, tell me about your play. Tell me about the Communist Revolution. Is, is that, am I getting the title right? Because it's a really cool title, Communist Revolution, and it's got all these subtitles. It's got the best title in the whole in the whole festival. So, so why don't you tell me a little bit about about that that piece? Uh, well, thank you. I'm a big fan of long titles. Um, I think, yes, there's something very joyous about it to me. Uh, and also the play is a comedy. So, I, you know, it is a fun title. It's the Communist Revolution, colon, a ninth grade European history project, parentheses, there will be a practical demonstration. <laughs> I love that. I think that's wonderful. Um, <laughs> yeah. So for short, the Communist Revolution, I think yeah. that's, that's the easiest uh, way to say it. But yeah, no. So the play uh, is about a girl named Sasha, uh, a wealthy white teenager who takes her sort of class project for her European history class to a insane extreme by, um, you know, deciding to start the communist revolution and, you know, quote unquote, occupy her parents' backyard. Um <laughs> And she pitches a tent in sort of the backyard of her family's, you know, large Westchester home. And she invites Tommy, a Mexican-American boy in her class, to sort of move in with her and start this movement. Uh, That's and wonderful. Yes, things things go uh, off the rails. Um, well, of course, yes, <laughs> they, they, would, they would have to. Um, yes. I think it's a really brave thing to take on. I think that's a really brave topic to take on because um, you're really talking about white privilege. Um, am I right? Isn't that uh, from what I read about the, what I read about the plane? I'm dying to hear it. I can't wait to can't wait to, to see the see the reading. But uh, it's it's about it's you're dealing with white privilege and you're, you're sort of wrestling with that as a, as a white woman. You're sort of wrestling with that, issue, which I think is a really brave thing to do. Yeah, I, you know, I started writing this play um, and, you know, it, it started out as a very different play. I originally was like, OK, it's a story. It was a father daughter story. And, you know, this girl was, you know, basically believed, you know, very much in socialism and communism. And it was an ideological play of capitalism versus communism. And I was like, OK, you know, with my personal beliefs, I'm a democratic socialist. I was like, she's right. He's wrong. Mm -hmm. Um and then it became very clear that that was a not a very interesting play, and b um, that as I continued to write this play about this wealthy white girl and her convictions, that uh, you know it was slowly turning into a story about how dictators are born, <laughs> um, and you know this girl, um, you know, just uh, really has a lot to learn. Um, about about the world and of her own privilege, uh, which she is so blind to in in so right. many ways. Right. That's a hard top. That's a hard topic for for us white folks. It really is. It's 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 something that's really difficult. I've tried to tackle it too in plays, and uh, and, and I uh, and I'm you know I'm proud of what I accomplished with it. But it it, it really sort of opens you up to all sorts of. Um, self-incrimination of, of your of your own behavior and uh, it was really it was really a challenge for me so i suspect you you feel the same way about it i, I, I don't know you can 
elaborate on that if you'd like. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think I, I grew up in a very wealthy, white, privileged bubble that was, you know, incredibly liberal and incredibly well-meaning, quote unquote, in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when I was growing up, I you know, basically all of the messaging that I received and, and what I believed for a long time was that, you know, racism was something that, you know, is only perpetuated by like the bad white people. And I was not a bad white person. So mm-hmm. therefore I was not a racist person. Of course. Um, and I think that that's something a lot of, you know, white people grow up hearing and believing. And, you know, I, I do think that um, these beliefs prevent us from actually, you know, a lot of very necessary introspection of our own personal biases and, and the ways in which that we, you know, are racist. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And, and that, you know, is a large part of, of what the play uh, is about. <laughs> oh, I, can't, I can't wait to hear it. It sounds, it sounds wonderful. It really does. Just what a, what a wonderful notion for a play and just having a tent in the backyard <laughs> with two teenagers. That's just, that's, that's just sounds wonderful. I can't wait. Thank you. Well, so tell tell me about Truth Be Told. Well, Truth Be Told, um, it's interesting because you're 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 at the beginning of your career, am I right? And I'm really sort of towards the end of my career. I retired from teaching a couple of years ago, and I've put my energy in, into playwriting. And um, I find myself writing about well, you're writing about you know from the perspective of a daughter and the daughter father relationship. I'm writing from the perspective of a parent, and um, so Truth Be Told is the story of. Well, the genesis of it is there's there's a there's a mass shooting at a workplace, and a year later we are uh, with a journalist who is interviewing the mother of the shooter of the alleged shooter. Um, and the mother is has been convinced um, by someone of a, a conspiracy theorist that her son wasn't really guilty, and she's trying to convince the rather skeptical journalist um, that her son did not actually do the shooting, despite all the evidence you know, opposing that, that point of view. Um, and it's, a, it's, so the play is really, it's a two character piece, um, between the, between the two of them and the journalist who's in her, who's in her thirties and the, and the mother, the grieving mother who's in her forties, trying to, trying to talk this journalist into, um, her point of view. And so it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a dialogue. It's a, it's a 90 minute dialogue between these two women sort of digging for the truth and, and digging for the upper hand. And um, so, so it, it deals with, with a number of issues. And, and, but I think the one thing that really pushed me into writing it, um, well, there are a couple of things. One, one of them is that um, I'm a parent and I, I agonize. I mean, my son's 31 years old. I don't worry about him losing him in a, in a school shooting anymore, although I used to. Um, but um, I do worry about all sorts of things with with my son and how's he doing? Is he is he happy in his work? Is he happy in his relationships? Is he is mm-hmm. he uh, you know that th- I that I set him on the right path? And uh, and I love him very very much. But I and I and I'm very proud of him. But of course I, I worry about him a lot too. And um, not because of anything he's doing, but just because of my own my own neurosis about being a parent. I suppose. Um, so it's it's a lot about that, but it's also about um, these two women searching for the truth, 
and uh, in, in a world where the truth is under attack on a pretty much a daily basis in, in the, the world that we're, we're currently living yeah, in now. Yeah, I was going to say, that doesn't feel familiar at all. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah, I, so I hope I hope the audience will will respond to it. I mean, there there are issues regarding gun violence, but it's because it's about a mass shooting, and that certainly is addressed. But it's really not the primary issue that I'm dealing with. I think the primary issue that I'm dealing with is this notion of truth and fake news and conspiracy theories and um, what we do to make the truth sort of compel the truth to serve our own our own personal ends um this woman here's a woman who's grieving from the loss of her son and from guilt for about over what he what he did and the the havoc that he wrought on a community yeah and you know go no, ahead I'm no, sorry. i mean that's it's it's you know i'm i'm just fascinated by you know i think especially over the course of the last four years um you know i, I no one really knows what to believe anymore, but I think the things that are being questioned as truth are just getting more and more extreme. And I'm I'm fascinated by the premise of, you know, something uh, as you know horrific and sort of irrefutable as a, a shooting uh, coming into question. Uh, I'm I'm excited to hear. Oh, it. thanks. It was there was um, yeah the, the past four years, of course, um, the politically, but even even before that, the, you know, the, the shootings that have been taking place. Well, forever now, since I think really sort of kicked off with Columbine, but um, the the shooting in Dayton a couple of years ago, Dayton, Ohio, which is my mother's hometown, um, really shook me up in large part because it was my mother's hometown. And and secondly, because a young man from my community who I didn't know, and it's not my tragedy, but a young man from my community was killed in the the Dayton shooting. And uh, so that's just, yeah, it was, it, it was horrible. It was, it was horrifying and horrible. And just heartbreaking and um, just really, you know, you bring these issues, the, these things that we re- hear about on the news, but bringing those issues home and and they hit you at home, it gets it gets really scary. And of course, I live near Pittsburgh. So we had the Tree of Life shooting there a couple of years ago. Um, I had friends who lived in that community who knew those people. So you just it it feels like it keeps getting closer and closer that it's ultimately going to envelop all of us at some point. And so I think I was trying to, I don't know, kind of wrestle with some of those issues as I was working on the play. And I've been working on it for about five years now, putting, you know, working on it and putting it aside and then bringing it back and then putting it aside and then really concentrating on it in the last year or two. Um, so anyway, um, tell me about some of the other things that you've written and how do they how do they fit in with what uh, what you're doing in the communist revolution i mean is this are you, are you, are you this is a comedy is sort of a i think it's described as a black comedy or a dark comedy uh, is that sort of the, the the your that the vein you tend to work in yes uh i would say that I, basically everything that i have written is a comedy in some sense i think some of them are are darker than others i think the communist revolution is certainly a dark comedy mm-hmm. um but i i'm very drawn to humor as a writer i find that you know co- comedy is really the the best way i find for me just to digest you know basically all the horrible things happening in the world right um and you know my so utter confusion and and paralysis you know just at where we find ourselves um 
and I, I, I think, yeah, I think comedy makes, um, I don't, I'm very interested in what makes people laugh and why, um, and so it's, it's definitely, uh, this play is in, in that, uh, in that tradition, I would say a lot of my other work, um, is, you know, our, our comedies. And I, I also write a lot, most of, actually, I would, I would dare to say that every single one of my plays, the protagonist is a queer teenage girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's also another theme. Um, I see. Okay. <laughs> So, you know, I, I, yes, I, I think that, uh, you know, this, this character, um, I, I like to put myself in conversation with, you know, my, my teenage years and right. mine, those, that time in my life for all of its, uh, you know, hil- hilarity and, and also, you know, deep pain and yes, of loneliness. So, uh, I, I, it's a very fruitful, uh, thing for me as a writer. And I think that there's, there's a reason why I keep returning to it. In, well, in it's, it's just, plays. it's, it's a minefield. There's all sorts of things there that you can, you know, going, going back to teenage years. Oh my God. Of course I'm, I'm older. So I, it's not quite as vivid in my mind, my teenage years, but uh, but I'm glad you're able to to converse with that. That just sounds well. It sounds wonderfully therapeutic and great fun, and probably very very funny. So uh, that's what that's something that I'm looking forward to. Were you an actress at any point? How did you get into the theater? I mean, what what brought you to the theater in the first place? Were you you did you start writing? Were you? Um, I mean, what got you started? Uh, I was never, never an actor as definitely not, not a skill I possess. Um, I started, I I've always, you know, it's been a writer since I was very young. I always knew that I wanted to write. Um, uh, in high school, I sort of, I found film and I became very, uh, engaged in screenwriting and well, that's right. And you're a filmmaker too. You're making, you're, you're actively yes. working on films, right? Uh, I'm, yes, I'm a screenwriter. Great. Uh, and, and I, I was a filmmaker for a time. I don't know if I'll ever direct a film again. I think I'm learning that I, I, I'm a writer and right. not a director. Um, right. But yeah, I, I came to theater through my sort of love of, of writing for film. And then basically it wasn't until I got to college um, uh, where I went to the University of Chicago. And Chicago is such an incredible theater city. Of course. And I, you know, that was the first time that I started writing plays. And I saw all this incredible theater there. And Chicago has a very um, just the storefront theater community there is something mm-hmm. that I had never experienced before. And I grew up in New York, so it was a very different feel. Um, and I was just blown away that I could go see theater in these like tiny 30 seat storefronts for $10. Right. And it was amazing. Right. And I was like, what is this? I have to do it. So oh, that's um, great. I started writing. Yeah. In, in college. <laughs> so would you, would you say that the work that you're doing is, would you, do you envision it being performed in a theater like that in these, in these little intimate storefront theaters? Is that what, is that what you, is that sort of what you're aspiring to? Um, I think some of my plays are certainly uh, meant for intimate spaces. Like the 
play that I wrote my senior year of college, Herland, um, had a national new play network, Rolling World premiere. And in Chicago, it was done at Red Twist Theater, which is a 35, I think, 37, maybe on a good day, uh, <laughs> seat theater. <laughs> um, and that was a very sort of special, intimate experience because the play takes place in a garage and it really right. felt like you were sitting in a garage. Right. Oh, that's um, great. But I think that the Communist Revolution is definitely my largest scale play it you know i think it really it needs a large space i think a lot of the play um is about sort of the duality of the stage and half the stage is inside this you know house and the other half is the lawn outside the house um and and through most of the play things are happening in both of these spaces and the people outside are spying on the people in the house and the people in the house are spying on the people in the tent. I see. Um, so it definitely feels, uh, like a, a lot, uh, sort of larger in that sense. Right. A little more, a little more of an epic, a little more of a, uh, of a, of a spectacle than some of the other things you've, you've written. Yes, yes. Yes. And in the play really, you know, it's, it's not so much about, you know, capitalism versus communism. It's about capitalism, I think. Um, and a, a lot of, it, it requires a pretty grand set because the play, a lot of the play is, is about, you know, wealth and, and, sure. you know, wealthy white people. So it definitely, uh, I don't, I don't know if it would work all that well in, in a teeny tiny space. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds like I mean, so your your play is a, a two hander. So yeah, that's a two hander. And I and I deliberately wrote. I deliberately sat down to write a play that was uh, two characters, one set, ninety minutes, because I was looking at at, at things that are getting produced nowadays, and and that seems to be that seems to sort of to be the trend nowadays is. is Mm-hmm. plays that, that can be done simply and easily with a small cast um i wanted to write roles for two two really rich uh roles for actresses so so i sat down deliberately to write a to, to challenge myself to see if i could write a write a one uh, two person play one set 90 minutes because my other stuff has been much more expansive than that i have i have a play that i wrote about the uh violet shark that i wrote about the Lindbergh kidnapping which has something like 30 characters characters with oh, you know wow. so there's lots of doubling and and um you know voices from off stage and, and uh, you know reporters commenting on the action uh and i'm real proud of it but but it's it can be a challenge to produce and then i have i have i actually wrote a, a, the, uh, a community theater comedy called thespians which is has three different sets and and nine different characters and all these costume changes and and then it's been produced a couple of times but it's it, and, you know nobody can afford to do it including right <laughs> was, what was i thinking i was just having so much fun writing and i couldn't stop so i really really sort of challenged myself to write something that was very very producible and and it was uh having the smart thing to do (laughs) yeah having those putting those limitations on myself was was really was really helpful it really it really was a a real challenge for me and a really exciting and fun challenge for for me to take on so yeah uh, i've currently written a smart fridge into the communist revolution (laughs) like one of those fridges with like a touch screen that talks to you so probably not the best decision on my part fridge is actually a character 
Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, wouldn't it be so great if I had this bit with a fridge? And then I was like, oh, God, like no theater is going to want to pay for a right. smart fridge. Oh, right. They're not. But it's what a wonderful idea. Uh, what a wonderfully theatrical idea. I just I love it. I think it's I think it's just great. I think it's just great. Um, trying to think, trying, trying to think what else, what else I can ask, can I ask you about it? Um, so you grew up, you grew up in Westchester County? No, I, I grew up in New York city. So in New York I, city, in the city. Yes. Okay. Um, I did not have a backyard when I was growing up. <laughs> um, okay. but yeah, I grew, I grew up in New York. I, you know, I went to a private school on the Upper East Side and, you know, I very much grew up in this bubble of, of wealthy white, uh, New York. And, um, you know, I, it's a very, uh, I don't know. It basically, it took me sort of leaving this bubble to just look back on it and, and realize that all of its failures. Um, but you know, I do write a lot about, uh, you know, these sort of wealthy bubble of, of New York, whether it's the Upper East Side or it's Westchester, which, you know, is a very wealthy suburb of New York. Um, right. But yes, I, I, for a long time, I've been writing about the foibles of, of rich white people. Okay. The, the first, you know, my first thing, my first big thing I ever made as an artist was a short film when I was 19. I did a um, fellowship at the uh, Tribeca Film Institute, and I made this short film called Under the Table that was, you know, basically about a, a family on the Upper East Side who, uh, you know, thought that they were so liberal and, and so cosmopolitan because they voted for Obama, but in fact uh, had a, a lot that they were hiding under the table. Um, and, you know, I, I think that it, it, you know, I, I've continued in this, uh, in this vein. <laughs> well, actually, I'm, I'm from a I'm from a wealthy white family as well in a in a small not a, not New York City of course in a small in a small small town and um and I I tr like to think of myself as, as a liberal I like to think of myself as someone who uh you know under understands all these issues I'm certainly not a racist um but I'm but I'm also I taught at a at a small liberal arts school here in here in Washington, Washington and Jefferson College for about 30 years. And towards the end of my career, towards the end of my teaching career, I became much more engaged with with the African American community. We started to attract more and more African American students and more students of color and and, and a more diverse population. And it really changed my views about the world, about myself. I mean, it just really opened my eyes to a lot of a lot of things and sort of brought into focus my own biases and my own flaws as, as, a, as I don't know as a human being as, as certainly as a white human being so I'm I'm really fascinated by this topic and I'm really fascinated by by what you're what you're doing but I I've my place I've tend to tended to write I mean I, I certainly write uh, autobiographically but I've all I, I tend to write more about uh, the gap between wealth and poverty and and um i I've, i'm working the truth be told deals with that a little bit is that is that mm -hmm. the the mother is is someone from a from a from a working class background who has struggled to 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 sort of maintain a life um and the the um 
the writer is, is someone who comes from a clearly a privileged background, and, and part of one of the things that they clash over is the, is this is this background. They have, you have this you know intelligent, um, highly educated uh, woman who comes in to interview this other woman who has who has struggled to to make a living. We don't really have any sense of her. Um, of her academic background, there's there's a there's an exchange early on where she talks about uh, where she mentions Shakespeare because Shakespeare is the, is the title of one of her books, and she mentions the play Julius Caesar, and uh, the the other woman has no idea what she's talking about. So just to sort of set up that you know that that conflict between the two women. So I'm I'm really mm-hmm. interested in this, but but I'm dealing with it seriously. So I love the idea of just dealing with it on a on a comic level which which sounds like what you what you're what you're up to. Yes, yeah. I I I don't know. I find that I always whenever I get on I mean I seek to make myself uncomfortable. I think in my writing that's important for me, but I always I think I do that through comedy. Um but yeah, no, I I think that, you know, especially in this play, I think I I write all these plays that have these sort of queer teenage girl protagonists. And I think uh, this this is the most uh, self-critical of all of those, I think, mm-hmm. that I, I really want to elevate those voices and, you know, give these girls a platform because I think they have a lot to say. But uh, this, this play, I, I think that, you know... Um, she definitely has, uh, yeah, it, it's more more of a learning learning experience. Um, <laughs> what what if what's the history of the play? What, how long have you been working on it? Have you you developed it with some with some actors? I mean, where are you in the in the process of working on this play? Um, I've been working on this play for I think two years now, so mm-hmm. not not quite five years, um, but a little while. Um, I was working on it uh, in Chicago for a little bit. Uh, I've actually only really ever heard the play out loud twice. So I was working on it with uh, one of my dear friends, a director in Chicago. Um, and so we've sort of heard it out loud a few times. But uh, part of why I'm so excited for the festival is because, you know, I've really only heard the play out loud twice. And those were, you know, drafts of many, many moons ago. Sure. Sure, so sure, sure. I'm excited to hear it in its current form. And uh, yeah, really dig into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hear you. I'm, yeah. I feel, what are I'm what are yeah? Excited. What are you? I, so you've been working on Truth Be Told for a while for for five I years. I started it. I started yeah, but I've been in the last five on and years off. Uh, because I was I'm I was teaching full time and working full time and um and had uh, other things that I was that I was focusing on. I was directing plays and actually I I think during that time I wrote another play that I did with my students at, at, at Washington and Jefferson, and then I came back to this play again about about. Just, I retired two years ago, and I came back to this play shortly after that. And I wasn't quite sure where it was going, but I was—I've been part of a of a playwrights group in Pittsburgh for, for the last ten or twelve years, and I've, I've developed this nice um, community of people that I actors that I trust and that I work with. And um, one actor, a uh, really wonderfully talented actress by the name of Nancy Bach, and Nancy and I. Nancy's worked on this with me and she's, she's been the voice in my head as I've been, as I've been writing the play. So I've had, I've just, because it's just two women, I've had a lot of opportunities to bring actresses together 
to, to, to hear this piece. Um, I did a reading of it in Pittsburgh last year at Duquesne University, um, last about a year and a half ago. Um, and that was, that was great. And that was a real, um, that was a great opportunity to hear the play, and I've rewritten it significantly since then. And actually, just in January, I had some friends over to the house to uh, just to read through the play. So I've I've had a, I've had the opportunity to to hear it a number of times, but only once in its current form. So I'm re- and I'm really looking forward to seeing what fresh voices can can do with this play. That's I think that's what I'm what I'm most looking forward to is working not just with the actresses, but with working with the director to see what see what they can bring to it, what different perspectives they can bring to it, and just to see what kind of cool ideas they come up with uh, in in working on the play. I'm really I'm, I'm just and plus it's. You know, we've all been locked up inside our homes for the past six months. So I'm, I'm just looking forward to having the opportunity to, to work with actors again because yeah. it feels like it's been forever. So see, that's see new faces and yes, yeah, work exactly. on a, and work even though I'm on a be, play. Right. Even though when he locked up here in my bedroom, I, I feel, you know, that that's just going to be like a wonderful adventure and making new friends and all that kind of stuff, which I'm really looking forward to. No, me too. Me too. Good, 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 good. So, what's next? What do you What do you have? What's next from you? What else are you working on? Oh, um, I'm I'm working on a, a few things. I I'm currently. Uh, so in terms of theater, I am uh, writing a monologue for a piece that the Greenway Court Theater in Los Angeles is doing, I think, at the end of November. It's a virtual sort of collection of monologues. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm working on my monologue for that. Um, and I'm right. I I'm writing a Zoom play for some students from Millican University in Illinois. Um, so I'm working on a little Zoom two-hander right now, which is very fun. What What does that entail, writing a Zoom play? Because I think we're going to be writing more Zoom plays in the future. I think that's going to become a genre. So what what, ex- what are you taking into consideration as you're working on that? And it's written specifically to be performed on Zoom. Is that it? Yes, it is. Uh, originally, it was supposed to be in person, and then and then you know, as all of the colleges sort of went remote, it became right. a Zoom play. Um, but yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I've done a few little Zoom things here and there, um, and it's. I think that there's so many fun sort of things you can do in Zoom. Um, I'm discovering, you know, it's not just like people in a box. Like you, I've been working on like scripting the chat into the play. So having the characters like also messaging each other while they're talking. Um, oh, that's great. Cause that that's feels, great. you know, I mean, that's what I do when I'm on zoom, I'm like saying one thing and then I'm typing another. Typing in something else, else, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just playing with actually like the things that make zoom exciting and different yeah. Um, yeah. as opposed oh, to just, yeah, that's great. you know, yeah, as opposed to sort of accepting that, like, oh, no, I'm limited by this thing. Um, exploring the ways in which it's different than in live theater is actually been very helpful. But. Right. Well, one of the things we're going to have to figure out is how is if we're going to work, if we're going to be doing these plays on Zoom, how can we do it well? How can we make it interesting? How can we adapt to the form? So I'm, I'm really uh, that sounds that sounds like a lot of fun. That sounds very exciting. So yeah, no, it's it's all very exciting, and and then I'm, I'm working on a in my other uh, my other writing 
career. I'm working on some screenplays um, and uh, have have some things cooking on the film and TV side. But oh, good, that's great. Uh, yeah, just trying to stay as busy as I can. There the you moment. go. There you go. Me too. Me yeah. Too. Well, so, what? Uh, yes. What is up coming up for you? Um, well, I, I, I'm not sure after this. Uh, I, I do have a play that I'm working on with some actors in Pittsburgh, and we've actually done a couple of Zoom readings of a, of a play I'm working on about the about the uh, final day of, uh, of Pretty Boy Floyd. The, the the outlaw from the 1930s. I'm I'm very interested in history and I'm very interested in crime, and so I've written a couple of play. I wrote a play about the Manson murders. I wrote a play about. I think I mentioned this earlier. I wrote a play about the Lindbergh kidnapping called mm-hmm. Violet Sharp, and I just I I love digging into the history and doing the research, and so I I came across an article talking about. Pretty Boy Floyd, the day that he died, that he was he was, um, you know, taken by the FBI. He was stopped in a farmhouse and asked for asked for a, a meal. And then as he was leaving the farmhouse, he was he was tracked down and shot and killed. And I thought, well, what happened in the farmhouse? I, that just sort of fascinated me. So I'm, I'm writing a play about about what happened in the farmhouse. Um with uh, with Pretty Boy Floyd and this farm woman and her and her brother and his wife and so I'm having a lot of fun. I love that. I I used to be well. I still am a big sort of history nerd, but I was I, in high school and I would write you know history papers or in call actually more more so in college when I would write history papers. I would always sort of like come up with a hot take on whatever it was and then like try and find all of the evidence to support my hot take and not the other way around. Right. <laughs> like I would never come up with a claim based on evidence. I would always right, just like yes. try and find evidence for my claim, which feels like, <laughs> you know <laughs> It's like research in reverse. I like I yes. like that a lot. I'm right and here's why. That's good. <laughs> Yes. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm very interested in, in uh, I, I wouldn't say like historical fiction, but I think, you know, <laughs> pinpointing, uh, you know, moments that are or events that are, you know, definitely uh, or historical events and then extrapolating from them and digging further into them. I find that very fun. It is fun. And I, li- I like the idea of, of, um, of fictional characters, uh, you know, interacting with real life, real life figures, these these larger than life figures, you know, Charles Lindbergh and uh, and Charles Manson and and Pretty Boy Floyd, who was also a Charles now that I think about. It. Um, so um, I, I, li- I like that. I like seeing that. I like watching work like that. And I and I um, I like working on things like that. It's a, it's a lot of fun to do the research and it's a it's a lot of fun to sort of imagine what were the how did these people interact with with the rest of us and what were the results. So so that's what I'm working on and um ju- but right now my focus of course is 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 almost exclusively on uh getting ready for the for the for the for the Ashland Festival and I'm just I'm just so jazzed about that, that being part of it and I, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what uh, see what my what my uh, director you know comes up with, Lavina comes up with, and what these what these wonderful actresses come up with. I'm just I'm just really excited about it. So yeah, yeah, me too. I I, I wish we could be there in person. Yeah, me but, too. That's uh, my only disappointment. But uh, still, but yes, this is the next best thing, and I'm very very excited for it. Really is really is the next best best thing. Well, I cannot wait to see your play. I really cannot wait to see your play. 
uh, Grace. It just sounds fascinating. You sound like a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person. And uh, no doubt you just have a wonderful sense of humor. And, and I can't wait to see how that comes to life in your play. So I'm really, really looking forward to the communist, uh, communist revolution. And, and uh, I'll be I'll be watching with with great interest. So good luck. I hope it goes beautifully for you. I have no doubt that it will. Uh, thank you so much. And yes, I, I am excited for Truth Be Told. I am. Oh, I, I I hope that. Um, yeah, no, I'm, and I'm just excited to engage with all of the I feel very topical discussions that I think your play is digging into and that I mm-hmm. all of the other plays are touching Absolutely. upon as well. Yeah, I know. Especially as, you know, our festival is falling at a very uh, politically charged moment. So. Politically, absolutely. <laughs> well, we're really in the thick of it right now. It's uh, so making history. OK, well, I, I think we're I think we're wrapping up here. Uh, I hope that's OK. Is, uh, is there anything else? Anything else we want to explore before we go away? Or we 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 pretty much covered it. I'm not sure to these questions. I think we did. I think we did pretty well. Um, great. <laughs> all right. Well, great. So it was lovely talking to you and uh, best of luck and uh, look forward to look forward to chatting some more. Okay. Yes, you too. All right. all right. This has been a presentation of Ashland New Plays Festival. Our podcast is produced by Andy Neal and Kara Quinn Lewis with written content edited by Carol Florian. To learn more about AMPF and how you can support new plays, visit us at ashlandnewplays.org on the web or at ashlandnewplays on social media. If you like what you heard, leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.